0: Welcome to episode 104 of the Horror Dads Podcast. You're joined by your horror dads, John and Jamie. As always, happy new year, everyone. What's up, Jamie?
1: What's up, man? Um, 2023 was something. Let's uh hope 2024 is a little bit better for everybody. Um, uh, movie-wise too, right?
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna do a, a best of 2023. A lot of films came out. I mean, 20, what was it? 2022 was just stacked as fuck.
1: It was. I think 2022 is one of the better years for horror films in my recent memory. Yeah. Uh, this one wasn't as good. I feel like 2024 might be better. Yeah. We did a uh, episode uh, for Patreon about the movies that we're excited about, the anticipated horror films of 2024. Yep. Everything's looking like, I almost couldn't narrow down a list to talk about it. Shit's looking so good. Uh, so for we'll this see how one, it pays were off. you
0: scraping the bottom of the barrel? Yeah, so this was yeah. tough for you because <laughs> we did, uh, we each did five, right? So, yes. I was like, well, yeah, it's gonna be a, a top ten best of 2023. Yeah, and if you're newer to the show, we always like to kick things off, do a little bit of back and forth, catch up a little bit. We're best buds, so if the banter in the beginning is not your thing, jump down to the show notes. You will see some timestamps on our different segments. If you want to get straight to the top ten list. Uh but here we go, dude. So why don't we kick off with what you've had going on? We're into the brand new year i uh I always head in not with like are you you're not a new year's resolution guy are you no me neither
1: we did we did do new year's resolutions, horror new year's resolutions <laughs> last year, right?
0: yes, we did uh, and we should do we need a compliance we should do like audit a follow on up that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, uh but Not resolution dudes. However, I do think with the turn of the calendar, it's always like, all right, we got to, you know, we we measure things in time. So it's always exciting to think and to see and to experience the unknown. It's like going into a new season of baseball. You're like, all right, this might be the year. That's the best one ever. So uh, maybe we're here. Maybe we're here, man. Maybe we'll see. What have you been watching? All right. So I just checked out.
1: Speaking of last year. A movie that I had missed was Men, uh, so that's from 2022. That was with uh, it was directed by Alex Garland, written by Alex Alex Garland as well. Who, by the way, is going to be with uh, the other dude? I can't think of his name, but they're going to be working on the 28 uh, Weeks Later. Sequel. Oh yeah, 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 that's great. So that's exciting. Uh, but I, dude, I forgot about that. I'm you, revved about that. Yeah, no, that's exciting. Wait, when does that
0: happen? I don't, I don't know. It's I, not. I, it just got this like announced right? that it's going to be happening. Yeah. So, uh, but have you seen Men yet? I haven't. You texted me after you watched it, and you were like, oh, you got to get on this. So yeah. I, I definitely have it on my list, but I, I was like full immersion into 2023 films. The sure, past, like, at that point, yeah. Two weeks.
1: Uh, but man, if you guys haven't seen that, it is fucking, it's crazy. And if you're familiar with Alex Garland's work, you might kind of know what you're heading uh, in for there. Uh, I also rewatched Vivarium last night with my wife. Oh, with, uh, oh, with Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Have you seen that one?
0: Yeah, that's like the almost kind of like not Stepford Wives, but it's like this the suburban. Yeah, you're stuck in this time loop home yeah. thing. You don't know what you don't know what planet the you're on. on. They yeah, they
1: have that weird child that they have to raise, which is a fucking dude. weird concept. Oh my god! So talk about horror dads, by the way. Like, holy shit! It's dude. kind of what parenting is like. It is kind of like that, where like one parent is just kind of like taking care of the kid, while the other parent is just endlessly digging. You know, it's like there's definitely some metaphors that, like,
0: in there. Can make himself sound like Chef from South Park on oh, a wheel. my
1: dude. The way that he talks Oof. and then he when he imitates like the mom and shit, it well, sucks. It is fucking
0: freaky, and he'll like scratch the fucking wound oh, too. He'll be like, oh, "Dude, oh daddy, yeah, do you yeah, remember yeah. when?" And it's like you're just being a little prick.
1: Now. Yeah, he'll redo their um, fights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, their fights. Yeah. He'll do the whole fight. Um, and then I Oof. watched uh, Perpetrator. That's from this year, but that's not going to make my fucking list. That's a wild one. I don't even know what the hell's going on on that one. Uh, and then I actually watched one that just came out called The Passenger. It's a Blumhouse film. It's got the dude from... Ah, um, oh, fuck. The, you know, the dude from uh, Halloween Ends?
0: The no, 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 no.
1: I'm sorry. Scream 5. Uh, the dude who, like, is pissing on the wall outside the bar.
0: Oh yeah yeah. Well the that dude.
1: Red Right Hands. Yeah yeah, yeah. exactly. Jamming around. I can't think of his name right now, but that that dude's in pretty much everything. Great actor. Yeah. And he was in Smile, right? That dude.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, that's what I've been watching. Nice, man. Uh I checked out a couple a couple new things. I did go back and uh rewatch in its entirety the movie from um from our buddy Adam Marcus who directed uh Friday the Thirteenth. Jason goes to hell, mm-hmm. and he had that movie called Secret Santa that had come out oh yeah. years and years ago. But it just yeah. recently was has like some circulation going on. I think it's on Screen. I meant box to watch right now. that and I forgot. Yeah, I went. I went through and uh, rewatched it. It's it's more of a I think of a comedic Hallmark movie that's crass. So it's like a little crampasy in terms of like the family dynamic and everyone's like saying stuff. Yeah, I think I actually did watch that. Now that now that we're talking
1: about it. It, yeah, it's like yeah. family at the house. Yeah, dude, it's basically,
0: yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's similar to a movie we're going to talk about holiday themed that was in the, you know, theaters this past year. Sure. Uh, in, in terms of like taking some a time of year, not romanticizing it giving, it, giving it the reality. And it's like pretty much what it feels like to be around your family during the yeah, holiday. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so I checked that out in its entirety, so uh, that was fun to watch uh, just prior to the holiday. And then, you know, with the new year coming in, obviously, I hit up a uh, New Year's Evil. Oh, yeah,
1: as did I. That song will never leave your head.
0: New Year's <laughs> Evil! <laughs> that one? Yeah, that one. That's the one. That is the one. And um, have you seen Don't Open Till Christmas? Yeah, the UK movie. Dude. Yeah. What in the... So... (laughs) That's a good one. Speaking of that movie and (laughs) horror dads, one of my children put a shoelace in the kitchen sink for some reason, goes down the drain, someone hits the garbage disposal, and I go to unclog said disposal, find that there is a shoelace entirely wrapped around the motor. Oh no. So I was like, oh my God. So I had to completely take it apart and rebuild it. And in doing, while doing such, I put on Joe Bob's Christmas and Don't Open Till Christmas was the film. And Darcy, during the preamble, was like, this movie's fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's really wild and strange and weird, uh, but it was fun to check out. So Don't Open Till Christmas is currently on shutter, but you got to go through the Joe Bob. iteration there. Yeah, that's a good one. And I restarted Dexter. Uh I w- oh, was yeah. talking to some of the folks on the Discord about that, so I've been enjoying my rewatch of that. And um I'm going to merge. I'm going to end with my last movie I've been watching and it's going to merge into my family antics. If that's cool. Yeah. So, I watched uh, Jurassic Park, which I know is not necessarily a, a horror film, but my uh kids come home from school a couple uh last Friday we go out for pizza, Brittany's working and um my oldest is like talking about planets because they're talking about solar system and then for some reason dinosaurs came up and we're talking about fucking asteroids and all that stuff so we're driving back from uh getting pizza and i was like oh we should watch jurassic park and i realized that movie came out in 93 so i was six when it came out and luna's six my oldest is nine i was like they'll be fine with this we camped out in the living room. We put on Jurassic Park. Dude, they were totally fucking captivated. The pacing of that movie, that is a perfect film. I know it's not horror, but it's a great entry to suspense and feeling tension. And uh we had such a great time watching it. And they were all about it.
1: That was their first time watching? Yeah.
0: Wow. Yep.
1: Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic. Yeah. And it's not horror, but it's, you know, that's.
0: Or adjacent, you got dinosaurs fucking chomping on people. I mean, that's. I told him, I was like, oh, the same person that made Jaws made this movie. Yeah. And we're like 45 minutes in, in Finley, my oldest. She's like, so where, where are the sharks? Oh my God. And I was like, oh, goddamn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So you got, what's been going on with your family? Uh, yeah.
1: So you had the New Year's, the Christmas shit. Uh, and then last night I put on. My So, my youngest has been, he loves horror, loves Halloween, but he's very, like, compartmentalized with it. So, when Halloween ends, yeah, he's yeah. into Christmas. He loves Christmas, too, so he goes right into Christmas. Um, so, last night, my wife put on some movie for my oldest. The youngest had no interest, so he comes in with me. I was like, hey, you want to watch a zombie movie? Uh, oh, God. Forgetting how inappropriate this movie is for kids, I put on Dawn of the Dead, the remake.
0: Oh, well, at least it wasn't, like, fucking... It could have been worse, for sure. Return of the Living Dead or something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: But the thing is, is like when you watch something with a child, you forget how inappropriate stuff is until you're watching it with them, right? And then you're like, I'm "I'm fucked up. And I'm sure every parent who is listening to this, who has a kid has done this, where you think like, yeah, no, I'm going to
0: introduce them to this right now. You know, brain dead. Here you go. Was it you that was telling the story about, I think it was, or maybe it was Mike from Alone in the Dark. uh, The story about... The intro to Twilight Zone, the first sequence. I, I think it was. I don't think that was me. Some some. It was either someone was telling a story though about how that sequence in the car ends with the like the shock part, and oh the, the that was Mike, yeah, with the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I'm sorry. So I, good, I pulled us off course, but it's yeah, really but
1: good. no, that's that's just how it goes. Um, you want to introduce your kid to horror? It's like, oh, he'll love. The, he was. He thought that I was going to put on Walking Dead, and I was like, no. I'm not fucking putting on a show for you.
0: No. We're, if you're doing zombies, you're doing it right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Put on a fucking show with weird character development that you could de- give two shits about. You know, like a kid just wants to see the fucking zombies. So, uh, we did watch some of it. I skipped around. He was like fully immersed, he was totally into it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what, on, as far as horror goes, that's where we've been. Um,
0: what have you been buying?
1: So for Christmas, I got, uh, a pair of like scream sweatpants that say, Call me. it like, a guy like Ghostface with a phone. Uh, Would like
0: another horror dad fit in those with you? <laughs> yeah, you, you can them? fit right in there.
1: <laughs> uh, but we got my son, uh, the youngest, a matching pair, and we also got him the Halloween Kills NECA figure. With oh, the, my the, shit. The, the changeable heads, the interchangeable heads. It looks fucking dude. I'll put that right in my office right now.
0: Those, it might already be in there. Those NECAs with the. I can't remember. I think it was Friday the 13th, part six. I got that NECA pack mm. for, for your son uh, for his birthday a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, it was part six, yeah. Dude, all those
0: different heads. And well, he also
1: has one of the Ghostface ones that has like four different heads. Oh.
0: Dude, amazing. That's awesome. Well, I've been buying, um, I actually picked up as I was um, manifesting uh, the COVID sickness during the holidays. Oh, yeah. I uh was playing some video games as I was in isolation for a portion of the time. Yeah. So I picked up with my other brother-in-law, that isn't you, uh, that new or that new err, new ish game, the quarry. I guess it's not new, but the game the quarry. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. you and I have been pontificating for a couple of years of of like, what is this? Like, I don't see any gameplay. It looks like cutscenes. And it basically is a choose your own adventure story with a bunch of different story sequences that could happen or not happen depending on decisions that you make and uh it's it's fun like it's it's got cameos from tons of like horror icons in there oh wow yeah you've got these great voiceovers it's a sort of a summer camp feel so it's definitely I wish I would have done it in the summer um but I'm glad I picked it up and if you're a horror fan and you like storytelling don't go in there thinking you're going to have a uh, raucous fucking gameplay or anything like that. But it's, you know, it's up our alley. So, so
1: it's essentially just like
0: watching a movie, but choosing what happens next. Yeah. And there are, like, moments where you walk around and investigate and stuff, okay. but it's, like, there's... Just there for you to play. Relative... Inter- I mean, I'm, like, three hours in, and I, I've not, like, had to do anything, really. <laughs> it sounds like it's got uh, replayability, because... You know what, dude? What if I make this choice Completely. here instead of yeah? And you can do it in a multiplayer capacity. So like, if you're at your place and I'm at mine, you can like patch in with somebody. Oh, I mean, maybe we'll do like a fucking horror dad's wow. Corey run sounds or something. Pretty fun, something. Yeah. Get uh get our listeners in. Fuck yeah! So let's wrap up uh, with what we're wearing. Jump into some plugs, and we'll get to our top ten. Yeah, it looks like we're
1: both. Uh, it's fucking freezing here, so we both have sweatshirts on. I'm wearing the. Dude, our buddy, David Slobodnik, who, uh, tattoo artist.
0: Local to Youngstown, Ohio. Local to
1: Youngstown. Yep. Uh, he makes some great shirts, killer designs. And I have a sweatshirt here with the pumpkin, uh, similar to what we both have tattooed on us. Yeah, dude. I uh, fucking love that. This was essentially a template for what we got tattooed. So love this hoodie. It's fucking super comfortable. The, the it's shirt that canvas. it's on is Such amazing. Great, yeah. Great it just feel. feels great. Typically, I, I talk about this all the time. And typically, I'll wear a T-shirt under my sweatshirts. Not, not with this bad boy.
0: Oh no, no, no! That's the kind of sweatshirt you wish was like a singlet, and that you could wear yes, nothing. Yes, I under do all wish there were like yeah. bottoms attached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I actually have. Uh, speaking of being freezing, I've got my Fluke Monster hoodie on. I have my toxic, toxic coffin um, wheat colored. Beanie right. or toque, depending on where you live. I love that one. Oh, the toque. Yeah. Uh, but Shout out. Yeah, I'm fucking speaking shout out, of Maddie. Toques oh, and Dexter. Uh, when Deb and Lundy have their little saga going on in season two, at the end, he says to her, get a parka. I'm going to take you to the wherever the fuck. Like he's going to take her on a cruise to the Arctic or whatever mm-hmm. he wants to do. She comes in at the end of the episode. She's got a beanie. She goes, look, I bought a toque. I was like, what the fuck?
1: I swear to God, I'd never heard that term.
0: Till Maddie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Turns out we had. Do you do this thing? Because I've been doing this. I actually do this every winter, like right after Christmas. It's like, what do you do now? Right? Like horror wise, you're in like this weird, like you've already watched the thing 30 times. So it's like, what do you do now?
0: A little too early for Valentine.
1: I always do like, yeah, exactly. You're in that weird limbo. So I always, in my own head, say like, all right, I'm going to start X-Files, which like last year I did. Or Twin Peaks. It's always like one or the other. Like, And then I, I do that thing where like I just don't start either because I can't decide. So I've just been watching. And we've been so tied up right now with the 2023 shit, Dude, trying to run through those. So I feel
0: like I've watched like 30 movies. Yeah. It's been a full-time job. It,
1: it's I like doing this because it forces me throughout the year, I kind of miss a lot of stuff. I don't go to the yeah. theater and then it's like not streaming, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this forces me to get in there, and, uh,
0: and you're like, I have to rent it for 1999. I, I could have gone to the goddamn movies <sighs> for that. Yeah,
1: that I'm not doing. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right, couple quick plugs, then we're gonna get get into our top 10 list. So, do please consider joining us on Patreon if you like the content. You're caught up. You've listened to 103 episodes. You're on your 104th, and you just want more. Head over to patreoncom slash dads. We've got a five dollar tier, a ten dollar tier, a bunch of different perks. And we do have a new patron to welcome. We've got our buddy, Ryan Bradford. Ryan, thank you for jumping in. Part of the community, you're in Discord, you're chatting with us. Appreciate your support so much, man. So, Ryan, thank you very much, and welcome to the tribe. Welcome in, man. Thank you so much. So, you can be like Ryan. Head over to Patreon. Follow us on social media. We are everywhere at Horror Dads, though Instagram is where we spend most of our time. Uh, If you do like the show, leaving us an online review is very helpful. Five stars goes a super long way. And if you are getting cold or you are, maybe you live in Hawaii, or maybe you're going to be like Deb and you're going to go on a cruise with Lundy and you need some Horror Dads swag to put on your body, head over to HorrorDads.com. We've got a merch store there. You can pick up whatever you need to make your friends jealous. So with that, you want to go to a blast from the past, like 10 days ago? to 2023
1: <laughs> yeah man let's uh travel back here we go let's get in our time machine all right do you want to start do you want me to start actually i was going to ask do you want to touch on some movies that were disappointments i know we don't typically do that but we all we all are horror fans here and we all have some movies that disappointed us let's
0: wrap with that maybe so that yeah, way we do don't that. ruin like true Something because, that's on my list or vice versa. Yeah, when right. I mentioned that Scream 6 didn't make the cut and people are pissed. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, Scream 6 didn't make the fucking cut, so.
1: Well, you don't know any last minute changes that I made, John. I promise you that you didn't add it to your list. <laughs> All right.
0: right. I'll. How about I start? Because typically. Mm. Um, Go for it, buddy. I pass it to you to start. So I'll I'll get us rolling here. All right. So this. Was this hard for you? Yes. Because you had a handful where you were like, it was pretty good. If I had to pick just five
1: and you weren't picking five, it would have been a lot easier. But to divvy up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree
0: with that. I, do, I'm, I felt like there was a class of films I was pretty disappointed in. <clears throat> a class of films where I was like, this is fine. And a class of films that was like, hey, this is really good. And the, hey, this is really good was very sparse. Yeah, yeah. So that middle of the road, it's like I'm picking from the same fucking cornfield. Like this movie, I can interchange this with like nine other movies. Yeah, exactly. That's why I had hard a hard time with the
1: last like my lowest one, my last one. I had a
0: hard time with, you know. Yeah, I'll 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 touch on the one I didn't put this in any order other than I I would say that the last one I'm going to talk about was my favorite. Sure. All right, but I'm going to I'm going to dive in here. So my first film, obviously from the year 2023, is the Boogeyman. Just you, your sister, and me.
1: You're doing okay. It's not real. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's all just in your head.
0: All right, so this is directed by Rob Savage. Uh, Rob Savage also directed Dashcam. Yeah. And host. So he's had a kind of one-a-year sort of thing going on.
1: It was funny because he had done these two, like, really well-done found footage-ish. What's the new, like, social media type thing, right? Like, that's what both of those essentially were. Yeah. Uh, And then he does this one that's
0: not that at all. Uh, no, like it's PG-13. An yeah. And yeah, and the intellectual property too. Um, so let me give you the rundown on it. And then I've got some uh, some notes on, yeah. on the IP, as you mentioned. So this was, as I mentioned, directed by Rob Savage. A bit of a departure from what we've seen to this point. And this was starring Sophie Thatcher, Chris Messina, Vivian Lira, Lira uh, Blair. And the quick synopsis of this is that you've got a family that's reeling from... You know the death of uh, of their mother and you have a, a teenage girl and her younger sister and they've got this fucking evil presence that's plaguing their 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 home and they're struggling to kind of get engagement from their grieving father to kind of like pay attention to them and take what they're saying seriously and to kind of open his ears and uh this is a PG 13 movie. It plays like an R I would say. Um, I was actually surprised to see it was PG 13 when I was note taking on it. But yeah, man, this is like a trauma management kind of, yes. How do you manage emotions post something that's that disruptive to your life? And this was actually a film adaptation to a, to a short story that Stephen King wrote. Right. Uh, also, I believe it was also called The Boogeyman, but it was published in uh 70 back in 1973 in Cavalier Magazine, and then I think later it made the night shift uh story compilation exactly. Yep, and I was really fascinated to see that you have Rob Savage that's engaged these other kind of social media found fo- as, as you had mentioned, and it's like this is a stylistically, this feels like a conjuring or it feels like a totally, yeah, uh, it's got that like jump scare phantom ghost sort of old mansion-y kind of vibe but it's it's more than that like it it appears that way and it feels that way but um you've got this father who's a therapist you know he's reeling from his wife's death and he's not managing the trauma properly so he kind of sets the tone he's working from home in this um like really kind of pretty it kind of reminds me a little bit of the house from um the first season of American Horror Story.
1: Yeah, it does kind of feel... This is my favorite part of this movie is this house. Dude, it's beautiful. Yeah, like, and the lighting that they use in it, like it's well shot, it's well done.
0: And Chris Messina, by the way, fucking crushes it as this grieving dad who's trying to... Ma- like. He, At first, I was like, am I going to get Dermot Mulroney'd here and this fucking guy that looks like he should be in every soap opera is going to yeah. enter into my space and ruin my life? But I thought he did a great job. His acting was good. And I think he was very well cast for this part because he he just, I think, naturally kind of has that kind of aura about him.
1: Yeah, he's very good. I don't know if this is just a natural thing that he has. He's very good at like seeming both like he's very good as a parent. What I know him most from is uh, the show Newsroom from HBO where he played like the president of the network's son. I didn't is then, like, even t-
0: realize that was him Then you're completely right. So that's I him. So love he, that show, he's like,
1: way. me too. So he's, he's great in that role of like being a dick, but also like caring. You know what I mean? And that that's the exact role he was in uh, the newsroom. And that's kind of what he pulls off here, which I like. It's it's a great role for
0: him. He's the parental figure. That's kind of like nice to everyone in his life, but his kids. Exactly. Like the people yep. closest to him is who he treats the worst. Yep. Yeah. Which is a very real thing, especially when you're dealing with trauma, oh for sure, yeah. so I thought it was and he, really well and executed. he
1: his role because he's not only a parent here but he's also a psychiatrist, yeah, uh who works out of his home, so he that's what he's paid to do is be compassionate and be so like when he's not being paid, he's kind of a dick, you yeah.
0: know, yep, and the one note I think I do have when I was doing research prior. So I hadn't seen this until prepping for this episode. I just had had it on my list. I hadn't checked, checked it out quite yet. So I, I engaged in prior to, I was doing some reading up and I was like, Oh, it's a story from the seventies. And realistically, a lot of what I was referring to at the onset with how you manage trauma and this being a reflection on like emotionally, what happens to your family unit as you're trying to work through something difficult. I was like, uh, this is going to be super predictable. And I don't think it's the most original thing because it was written in the 70s. Yeah. And we've seen a zillion different iterations of this probably copied from Stephen King's original story. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's like we always say, it's like playing a 12 year old Metallica from the, you know, the exactly. 80s. Yeah.
0: But you it's, never heard this. And it's, it's super <laughs> fucking unfair to say like, oh, the movie's not original because it's like, well, it's from an original story that never had its day in court. So fuck off. Yeah. For saying that. But it, I think it does enough to make, make this unique in, in and of itself. And you've got this physical manifestation of this quote unquote boogeyman that is really kind of the maternal presence that they're lacking. And it's causing all this turmoil and it's, it's creating friction and it's the whole fucking age old thing of like, are you crazy or are you really man dealing with something who, who do I try? Like, do you side with the dad? Do you side with the kids? And that game of telephone happens. Cause it starts with the youngest goes to the older kid then to the dad. And it's like, everyone has to adapt to confront the fact that there is a problem. And then once everyone's finally like, okay, we're a unified front. It's like, Oh fuck. Is this too late now? Because we're really far in here. So it's this like struggle for survival kind of tale. And I, I thought, it was, I thought it was really good. You know, like, I wouldn't say it was amazing, but it was good.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. For me as a viewer and for me personally, it's too fucking late now.
0: Uh, like, by that point, I'm it's over it. It's weird that you came. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: just over it by that point. Because uh, you know what, what's ha- going to happen. You know how it's going to end. Yeah. I don't need this fucking, like, I don't know. I, I didn't love this movie, uh, and I think that's why. I love the way it looked. I love the acting. Sophia, Sophie Thatcher? Yeah. Is that her first name? Yeah. She's
0: from uh, Yellow Jackets. Oh, and she did she's such a fucking great job. fantastic, yeah. And the the social dynamics of what she's going through, like that's that's the Stephen Kingness of this. Yeah, the, that's the real horror. And that I like the, everyone experiences. The
1: movie has like a grayness to it out when you're outside of the house, which I like uh, because they're just kind of saturated by shadows and you know. Yeah. But like the shadow monster just doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah. So I I I'm yeah, with you. So, I yeah. didn't love this movie. Um, this fell into the category of like, yeah, this was good. Uh, yeah. and there were. A, Diamond a dozen this past year of, yeah, this was good.
1: I only watched it once, Uh so maybe a rewatch will make me like it more, hate it more, I don't know. I watched this the same day, I actually watched this right after another movie that you're going to mention here later, uh, and I liked that one a little bit more, that might be why, you know, the context has a lot to do with the oh, uh, first time you see entirely, a movie, yeah. context totally uh, is relevant, so, all right. Is that it? That's it, man. Let's go to my next one. On to you. Uh, fuck you, John. My pick here is Scream <laughs> 6.
0: Please, please help me. You got a problem here, guy? Wait,
1: is it really? I'm going to explain. Yes. Oh, God damn. Okay. <laughs> I, I made a last minute switch.
0: Was it when you heard me talking about Dermot?
1: No. So I struggled really hard with this one. I had some different ones in here, ones that I had talked about before. Uh, I, I, I love scream. And to have a yeah. scream is better than to not have a fucking scream, not to get philosophical here. Uh, but I know it's not perfect. None of them really are, except the first one, and the second one, Uh, and maybe the third one. Uh, No, (laughs) I I know that's not. Uh, But I, when we went to the theater, I fucking loved this movie, dude. I was championing it. I was like talking about getting a legacy uh, Billy Legacy mask tattoo when I left. Like, I just fucking I loved the experience. I loved being there. I loved the sets. Like for each kill, the set is fucking. Perfect, the Gale. I know that that's not a kill scene. Well, someone gets killed in that scene. Yeah. Uh, I love that like apartment, like high rise fucking scene. I love the, the um, uh, what do you call it there? Not a gas station, but the bodega. That's
0: oh like yeah, one of the best. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I love all that. I love the New York City Halloween in New York. Like, dude, if you put this on paper, it's like I'm all in 100. The execution was fine the we get like the the core four thing
0: i mean i i will say i think i like this this movie more than four movies on my list yeah but as it stacks up to the other you know like it's like this
1: and this is why i wanted to put it on my
0: list because it's not it's unfair to kind of
1: no you did the right thing yeah i if if i'm going to take it just by the year 2023 it's on my fucking list you know if you want to take it to the whole pantheon of the Scream franchise, sure. It's it might be sixth, but for 2023, it's on my goddamn list. Yeah, uh, I think it should be. And this will be the last time we get these characters in a Scream. That's kind of what made me put it on here. You know,
0: I mean, right now it seems that way. Well, who knows? We'll see what happens. But yeah, for those that are unaware, uh, basically this whole thing unraveled. So Matt Bettinelli open and Tyler Gillette, the radio silence crew. I don't know if they weren't invited back or if they elected not to come back. Um, either way, they've got grand plans on the horizon for this year. Anyway, new director was selected and we were going to get a crack at the director from freaky and happy death day. So I was excited to see the comedic elements that he was going to introduce. And then, um, just some political drama, so basically uh, a lot of folks have fallen out, and directors now gone, so who knows what's going to happen? And here. this
1: one wasn't without drama. We lost Sydney on this one. yeah. Uh, there's some bullshit involved with that, which sucked. Yep, sucks. Maybe we'll see Sydney come back. Yeah, um, who knows, but what was your thoughts on like just New York? I thought New York was represented well. Yeah, we have the subway yeah. scene. yeah, again, um, amazing set piece.
0: I was pretty pumped, you know, as a former New Yorker. I was excited to see how that landscape was incorporated into the film. Uh, you know, I don't. To me, this this could have occurred anywhere. Sure, yeah. And that's I not mean, naturally, s- yeah. You can say that about any movie, but the emphasis they had on pitching the New Yorkness of this, I was. I thought that was going to be more of a factor. I thought it was cool. Like, well, I, I mean, What do you want them there. at
1: Yankee Stadium? I can. Watching a game? Fucking, uh, we got Kevin <laughs> <Yeah>, McAllister <Subway. laughs> running around. <laughs> I mean, Home Alone 2 is arguably more New York-y than this, for sure. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, there's no Central Park scene, which
0: they could have used. I, I, Honest to God, How do you not I'm have a not Central Park scene with you when I say I can't... The first thing that went through my head when I heard that this was going to take place in New York was, I can't wait for the Central Park scene. Yeah, I was like, it's going to be Central Park at night. It's going to be badass, that because that is sick, a creepy yeah. place at night. People notoriously avoid going there in the evening because of the so I was so excited for that and we didn't get it what a miss I know uh either way I I enjoyed this like I said more than probably probably most of the movies on my list yeah I just was bummed uh with certain elements of this in the pantheon of the scream universe universe but I mean I still really like this movie the intro
1: with smart weaving was okay
0: yeah it's fine we got you know we got Casey Beckard there yeah, which I think was the intention. I think it was thing. expected. Yeah. yeah, and of course, you know Samara's uh, affiliation with the Radio si- uh, Silence crew. I thought, I, I thought that whole thing was like that. Felt great, you know. Yeah, like yeah. to have that and be in on it. Yeah, because you you feel like as fans, you're like, I'm, you know, I'm part of this.
1: We get Kirby back,
0: yeah, which was weird. Yeah, as fuck. Yeah, why do you sound like that? A little
1: bit like what is happening? Yeah. Uh, so red herring the shit out of her. <sighs>
0: And then they red Herring the, I mean, that's what this movie is. But I've said this time and time again. And for those that haven't seen it, maybe plug your ears. This is sort of a spoiler, but. Voldemort for you. We we were, (laughs) we were stripped. The reason we show up to these movies is because we are so nervous about losing our friends. It's like, I am so worried that Chad is going to go. And I'm so worried that Sydney's not going to be here. And I'm so worried that, you know, Randy's going to die. Like, you go in and you're like, fuck, I hope it doesn't happen. It's like watching the Super Bowl and your team's in there. You're like, I know this could go one of two ways. And we didn't, that was not a factor in this movie. You know, they scooby-dooed the shit out of this one. and Everyone is safe. Six fucking movies (laughs) in. Six. One through five, you're taking people from us. And on six, you stop. I don't fucking get it. So that was, I, I don't. And
1: the people they took that. were like very ancillary. Yeah. yeah. I don't even remember them, it, you know? But again, to, to the point of the, the kills, like that fucking ladder scene going across. Dude, great scene. When she but falls if you do that, that to down. a
0: core character, then it's like,
1: holy fuck. Yeah. yeah. It changes it. Yeah. Dramatically. I bet in retrospect, they wish they would have offed someone. I mean, Scream 6, good pick, but. Yeah, yeah it's on my list. I feel like a lot of the listeners would probably have that in their top ten.
0: yeah, I agree,
1: even if it's not a perfect movie, yeah,
0: love you scream all right sick i'll move <laughs> I'll move on to my number four here, okay? yeah, so number four for me, counting backwards, is the movie sick?
1: Isn't a vacation, it's a quarantine. We're the only people around here. There's <gasps> your mask. This isn't a vacation, it's a quarantine. A quarantine in style. Are you kidding me? Oof. Yeah, dude. Now, this is one of those where I had a hard time remembering. If some of them were 2022 or 2023, like Megan, for instance, because we had seen it, like in January. This came out. When the fuck did...
0: I know. Okay. Yeah. Because I was looking and I was like, no, this movie says 2022 on IMDb, but the release was like first two weeks of A lot of them
1: did, yeah, because they count like the festival release, which is weird. Oh, yeah. If if they had a festival release. uh, But this one was... Was this a straight to... Yeah, direct
0: to streaming. I think it was on... What was it um, on? Netflix? No, I think it might have been like Hulu or Paramount. I, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was not, I don't think it was Netflix, but it was direct to stream and John Hyams directed this. We had a bunch of uh, difficult to pronounce actors in this movie.
1: Which, by the way, not to cut you off, uh, as I cut you off, <laughs> the, uh, the direct to streaming is not the death curse and the death knell that it used to be. It used to be like, we'd be like, no, oh, straight to streaming, it's fucked. Right? I'll be—I'll be honest. I, I like thought this anymore.
0: movie was cozy as fuck, and the coziness of it, I—I th- I feel warranted that direct-to-streamness of it.
1: Yeah, I felt no streamness to it. Really, it, no. th- This could have been a theatrical release, although because
0: it's a COVID movie, it makes sense. It yeah. was straight yes. to stream. It really works. So Gideon Alden. Bethlehem Billion and Dylan Sprayberry. are Wow. The, God damn. I know. It's like they went to the UK and were like, can we borrow some names here or some towns that we're going to combine together in the form of names?
1: Also, let's go with the agents and get these guys
0: some screen names. <laughs> right? God damn. Brad Pitt, maybe. Yeah. So the general 5,000 foot view of this is that due to the pandemic, we've got this character named Parker and she has her best friend. And they decide to quarantine at the family lake house uh, where they think they're alone, but in reality, they're not alone. So what part of the reason I selected this movie was one, I was really excited to reunite with Kevin Williamson.
1: Oh my God, dude,
0: that was the, like the pitch. Yeah. And I think if I watched this movie, Death to the author, had no idea anything about it. Closed my eyes, watched the movie. Uh, And after the fact, you said, okay, who wrote that? I don't think Kevin Williamson would have been in the, maybe uh, it might have taken seven guesses for me to get there. And probably because someone asked me the question, I would know that it would have to be someone I liked, which is why I would (laughs) guess early. So what I'm getting at is this doesn't necessarily feel like, this is not like, a covid scream. If that's what you think I'm I'm getting at and you haven't seen this, this is truly it's a one-off, it's a cozy little quick, simple story that looks great and I think is a nice period piece for us to remember 15 years from now like a really horrifying time of everybody's life.
1: For sure. Yep.
0: And I really like how they encapsulate the pandemicness to this and they it's not I even get, from
1: that first scene in the grocery store, that's like the perfect.
0: Dude, that is such an spot on representation of what it was. Yep. And even my kid, like my youngest, who's six now, who was three when the pandemic hit, four, three or four. uh, Yeah, three. She was three. When it when it first onset, she even asked me, she's like, hey, when it started and she'll ask a question. And I'm like, yeah, like you're not going to remember this like I did or even your older sister. and having this type of thing is in a, the field and the genre that we love. It's like, I don't want to say it's a nice thing to have, but watching this, I look at it. And I'm like, Holy fuck. Like I can relate to so much of this. So I like that fact about it. I like the fact that it's very, very simple. It's quick. It's not like, Hey, we're trying to prove a huge point. There's comedic, the fucking motive. <laughs> to what's happening it has a borderline comedic tone to it. Like if you strip it down and you write down on a piece of paper, like, oh, that's fucked up and sad, but you you get what I'm saying. right? Yeah. Uh, For someone to be driven to this, to this level. So I'm trying not to spoil uh, what's happening here, but um, it's, it's this nice little slasher. You've got elements of isolation. It riffs on elements of this really difficult time in all of our lives that we can relate to. And it's a Kevin Williamson uh, thing. The kills are, are neat, quiet, nice little, uh, cozy is the, the best way I can describe this movie. is this nice, cozy, quick little fucking,
1: yeah. So. I've been meaning to do a rewatch because my wife hasn't seen it yet, which I find shocking. Um, but yeah, I, I started it the other day and then I didn't get to finish it. So I, I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember digging it. And I, to your point, I remember going like, yeah, Kevin Williamson, and like, yeah, Kevin Williamson.
0: If you if you uh, haven't seen this, I, I would suggest checking it out. It, uh, it's currently streaming. So definitely,
1: yeah, definitely worth a watch.
0: So that's sick from Kevin Williamson, written by Kevin Williamson, directed by John Hyams. Nice.
1: All right, so my number four. If I was going to pick my scariest movie on this list, this would probably be it. This is Talk to Me.
0: Have you seen the group chat? They're doing it again tonight? Huh? No, please. It's my mum's remembrance day. I just wanna forget about it. Huh? Do it. Huh? Do it. Do it. Who's
1: up? I'll do it. <laughs> Cannot go for more than 90 seconds. Am I clear? What happens after 90 seconds? <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, so this is, uh, this was co written and fully directed by uh, two brothers, Danny and Michael Philippou? Philippou? I don't know how you oh pronounce my that God. last name. Either way, this is their debut film and it is fucking killer. This is an Australian film. This is a very original premise. Dude, so original. I mean, in this day and age, it's hard to have a premise that's like, that you know, and and the they couldn't give it all away in the trailer, but like the trailer looked like ugh, I just felt like yeah, I know what that's gonna be you know, and it seance was not. gone wrong. Here we exactly, go, exactly, exactly right. I was like seance, someone gets possessed. Fuck, who cares? Uh, but the plot here is when a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand. They become hooked on the new thrill uh, until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Again, that still sounds a little. Uh, run of the mill but again it's not so these two friends for some reason have this embalmed hand of like a psycho i think they say at one point
0: yeah it's kind of like this
1: very creepy looking like fucking just like hand apparently they had six of these hands made in case one got damaged or broken uh and i guess the, the director kept one but it looks just like this gray fucking dead hand that like people had been writing all over with pen. It looked like like it got graffiti. I to wish death.
0: this was on video so everyone could see Jamie <laughs> doing the, the <laughs> Shakespeare talking to the skull with his own arm
1: right now. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but so, yes, the they take this to parties. It's like this party gag that they do. And you touch the hand. You say, talk to me. You get to see the spirit uh, or the ghost that you then say, I let you in or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Comes into your body. They time you because, like, if it's in your body for more than ninety seconds or whatever it is, two minutes, it'll start to attach itself to you. So you have to like make sure that break the tether. The friends break it. Yes. Uh, so at one of the parties, they let someone who's a little bit too young have a go. Shit goes awry. From there, this shit just kind of spirals. You see, really, this movie gets really like depressing and violent. And, uh, the shit that you see is so visceral. Like that scene that we had watched before we started. It's just like, as you watch it, you're wincing and you're, you're making noises out loud. Like, ah, fuck, stop it. You know, uh, like pull the hand away. Like you're in there. Yeah. You're part of the, uh, part of the party. And it is, again, this is just something that like the entire time I was, (sighs) there's a part where she's like sucking on someone's foot because she's like part possessed, like, this one gets really disgusting, and uh, gory is not really the right word. It's just more like, you know, violent is what I keep coming up
0: with. Cause yeah, it just I seems mean, there real. are elements of gore in this. Certainly. Gore, like, it's like overwhelmingly visual. Like, I feel like every color is intentional in this movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Even down to what the, the characters are wearing. So, like, the palette of the whole experience is so it's honestly like overwhelmingly stimulating and uh it's really pretty looking but that i think plays into why you feel so unsettled as the viewer because you're like why is this all so matchy matchy and well displayed but also this terror is happening simultaneously
1: yeah i mean the style is amazing on this one yeah uh and what i mean by it's not gory because it is gory i guess what i mean is like you don't feel like you're watching a movie necessarily it feels very real the gore that you see feels realistic it doesn't feel like a movie we're going to talk about later that's just over the top fucking gore for the sake of being gore you know which i love too uh but that's what makes this movie so scary um and just the thought of like a loved one going through some of this shit and the way that it affects the family and the way that it affects friendships and the way that you have to deal with, you deal with a lot of things in this movie. You deal with loss, you deal with grief, you deal with, and that's on dip, many different levels because you're losing friends along the way, uh, you're losing relationships that are accusing you of, you know, things that you haven't done even. Uh, so it, it, this one is really heavy. This isn't a fun watch, even though kind of what I said with the party and the party favor and everyone's laughing and having a good time with these fucking possessed spirits in their bodies, uh. It is not. This is not a fun movie. This is one that if you're going to go into it, expect uh, to feel very heavy-hearted, and when it's done, you just exhale and you go to bed. That's what I did. Dude, and-
0: I, I, I agree. This was not a fun, easy film, but it was very visually stimulating. And I think thematically, a lot of these movies are... are... Very obvious parallels for how we manage, as uh, how we as people manage coping or dealing with either emotions or or it's a, it's how we're coping and dealing with emotions that are brought on by really intense thing, events sure. like loss, yep. you know, death, murder, loss, uh, uh, you know, family fractures, friend fractures, stuff that we
1: as people deal with constantly. Yeah. And that we all yeah. have a space to deal with that shit. And um, some people deal with it differently. Yeah. And the way that it manifests itself is what a lot of these movies deal with that manifestation. And oof, God. This one is, again, it's not even fun to talk about, really, because it's so. It's heavy. Yeah. In the trailer, if you watch a trailer, it's like, ooh, that looks good. That looks like it's going to be fun. It's not, it's not a good time. Yeah. I, but it's a great movie. That's why I
0: made my list. I will say that my my read on what I was going to experience was off I, in my brain. I was like, this is going to be a transcendent elevated experience that I'm not smart enough to process. Oh yeah. And it's going to be like an A 24 Bose afraid kind of thing for me. Right. Not like stylistically like Bose afraid, but that's a very dense movie. That's hard to unpack and yeah. conquers a lot of shit all at once. Right. So I thought that was going to happen here. And I, the delivery of this was much more streamlined than I, I thought it was going to be. It is emotionally complex, and there are layers of many different things to unpack, and it's, it's really well done, but it was, it was a lot more to the point than. Yeah, it's not I necessarily it a think piece,
1: but it is A24. At, at one point, this was the second highest grossing.
0: Did oh. you see the budget for, for this movie, by the way?
1: Yeah, like. Four and a half million. Yeah, and then it, like did 10 and a half opening weekend or something.
0: Dude, the fucking Shohei Otani makes that in a day. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's insane that like they did this movie for that cost. And yeah, it doesn't feel like a four and a half million dollar. No film by any means. Again, with the the way that
1: it's stylized and everything, it looks really good. Yeah. So yeah, that's talk to me. Uh, I don't think this is streaming anywhere for free, but you could rent it on Amazon for six bucks. It's worth it if you haven't seen it for sure.
0: Yeah. I think this might've been the best done film of what we're going to talk about yeah
1: i think honestly this
0: is for sure one of my favorite movies of the year definitely very good man okay so that was your number four so counting down backwards again on my end i'm going to my number three now and i'm going to do a movie we've talked about we've actually had the director on the show the anthony de blasi film malam from last year I can see the fear in your eyes.
1: You saw something you can't explain. Let's wait, rookie. Call's been rerouted to the new station. So it should be quiet. There's emergency. station's numbers on the desk.
0: Shall I be fine. Hi. Hello. Yeah,
1: I feel like we couldn't uh, not talk about this one. I'm glad you picked it. Yeah,
0: man. So, last shift, which came out in the we like last shift better, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I really really enjoy both of these movies. Um, I think it's it might
1: this might be one of those things where it comes down to which one did you see first? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so last shift came out in the 20 aughts somewhere, I think 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in that time timeline. And that was a film that Anthony DeBlasi did. He had a really, really limited budget. I think he said he made that movie for what? Like it was an absurd number. Yeah. I don't remember we have to the, go back. the number. Yeah. So he, Anthony had an opportunity to essentially recreate his film, but he didn't do a straight remake. Uh, this is a re of Last Shift. So it's it's a different movie, but it utilizes the same premise. So Malum is starring Jessica Sula, Monroe Klein, Candice Koch, and it's about a rookie police officer who uh, willingly takes The Last Shift at a newly decommissioned police station. So basically, it's the last night the station's going to be open, and she's trying to uncover this connection between her her father's death and this uh this vicious cult that she has insight to Uh, her father was also a police officer so this is like a familial thing and right off the rip uh last shift in terms of differences between last shift and malum last shift felt very contained to uh the police station which it was because that was filming location they had that was the budget they had and I'm sure the timeline was tight on the whole thing um, so things were just tight so this is this is a much more expansive movie in multiple regards but physically what you're seeing takes place out of this station out in the world you see the city you see the cemetery I think that's one of the opening opening scenes you find out that she has a uh, our main character this police officer she's got a really tough relationship with her mother and everyone, again, is having huge difficulty coping based off the trauma of the, uh, the missing, you know, the death of the father. It was a missing part of, of each of their respective lives. Uh, but I, I, did, I did think it was really neat to see uh, Anthony's departure from the last shiftness and what he did with the property and how he used it in a different way uh both films are incredibly visually stimulating i think he did a lot you know with a little as i mentioned but uh this one definitely a level up um in terms of production and and setting and scene pretty crazy the the way that uh uh anthony described the the effort to find the lead the lead actor yeah and he crushed it both 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 times both actors crushed it that that he hired they both did an incredible job um both those women were fucking amazing and then Jessica just crushes it in this movie man and uh we we asked him we said hey did you know was she familiar with the original film and was it hard for her to separate her character from uh the initial depiction of this type of character and and I think he said that she never even saw the movie intentionally because she wanted it to be her character her thing yeah which is good. Yeah, which was that would be really hard to separate yourself. I I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I really, I feel like that wouldn't be possible. And
1: you would overthink everything you do. Am I separating this enough? Is it? Yeah, yeah. That's probably just hard.
0: us because we would suck at acting. But yeah, <laughs> true. Um, but again, more compre- more comprehensive story, bigger budget, still scary as hell. The imagery with the sack heads and just the way lighting is used in this movie it's it legitimately is scary as fuck the imagery you see the practical effects are so well done and and so scary and just listening to his process and his inspiration to tell this story a different way was really really insightful really cool to have a peek behind the curtain on that and we're grateful anthony lent us his time and i'm grateful that we got this movie last year so
1: yeah that was amazing it was really exciting and this one fills in a lot of the gaps that the first one doesn't, right? There's a lot of uh, stuff going on with cults, and uh, this one fills in a lot of that backstory, the mother and blah, blah, blah. But the, it's hard. The only problem I had is it's so hard, and this has nothing to do with the movie, nothing to do with Anthony. It's just me as a viewer. It's hard for me to separate the two. So I'm constantly, as I was watching it, I was constantly comparing it to Last Shift, which I fucking love. Yeah. So it's like, ah, well, you know, I wish it did this. Yeah, I like that it did this. But uh, so that was my only thing with this movie was I just felt like too soon almost for a remake. Uh, I'm not speaking out <laughs> like I'm not saying it shouldn't have been done. i am let glad Anthony know it. that
0: you think that. Fuck.
1: Uh, but yeah, no, great pick. I'm glad you had this on the list.
0: This is Malum. Yeah, buddy. All right. So that's my number three. So on to your number three.
1: All right. So, you know, I'm an 80s guy. 80s kid 80s at heart My number three is Totally Killer
0: I'd like to report a crime that hasn't happened yet Have you seen the movie Back to the
1: Future? Basically, I'm living that movie right now Which is how I know there's going to be a murder
0: tonight (laughs) Hate time travel movies They never make any sense Happy Halloween. How about we all stay in and hand out Halloween candy? No, Mom. You know how hard this time of year is for us. Your friends were murdered 35 years ago. It's not 19... 19- Oof, dude. Love this movie.
1: So fun, right? This is uh, directed by... Oh, God damn it. Nanachka Khan. She... Uh, this is her second film. Uh, she was born in 79, I believe. So she's an 80s kid too. I was born in 81. Um, So she has the 80s at heart as well. This is, let me read you the synopsis real quick. Uh, When the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns 35 years after his murder spree to claim another victim, 17-year-old Jamie accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. So this is a little bit Back to the Future, a little bit uh, Final Girls
0: got a little happy death day a little bit to happy it. death yep. day
1: yeah it feels like happy death mm-hmm. day too like this the shine that it has yeah uh
0: it does it has a, almost like an airbrushed like for sure van the, wilder the lighting, quality yeah to it, yeah yeah know?
1: uh
0: this one like also
1: there's another movie that came out this year very recently it's a wonderful knife i keep getting this and that confused because it's also pretty similar to the back in time trying to save blah blah
0: yeah and i think the the general aura of both of those movies were, comedic, you know, comedic uh, undertone was a huge part of both those For sure. movies. Comedy first. Irony. Horror sprinkled yep. in. Yep. Yeah, exactly.
1: Even Happy Death Day, same type of thing. Yep. That's m- almost more comedy than it is horror, but uh, we love it in the horror circles. This is like, so this one starts off with like a podcast, which is always cool as a podcaster, right? Uh, So it starts off with like a podcast talking about the murders that took place in 87. Uh, how there were three girls that were killed. Uh, the, one of the girls that survived is the mother of Kiernan Shipka. What's her name? Kieran. Yeah. Kiernan Shipka, who is, uh, plays Sabrina in the new Sabrina oh, show. Yeah. Yep. And she was in, uh, Black Coat's Daughter. She's fucking great. She is really great. Uh, so she, the killer comes back, kills the mom. She is now trying to figure out who did it. She gets stuck in this time machine that her friend's inventing, right? Just just a bunch of fucking bullshit just to get you there. So yep. she ends up back in 87. Uh, but what I love about this is so she goes into this uh, science fair that the school has at the old rundown amusement park that was happening in the 80s. But now it's like fucking rundown. They have the science fair there. They're trying to like rejuvenate the get more people foot traffic there to try to get it. I don't know. Reopened. I don't know. Uh, but I love the way this amusement park looks when it's run down. I also love when she comes out of the time machine. Now it's fucking hopping, right? It's like fucking eighties music. Madonna's yep. playing. You got the midway and the, it's just perfect. Uh, the eighties, it's a little over the top eighties. It's like, if you dreamed about the eighties, it's kind of what it is. It doesn't look lived in, I would say, That's, but.
0: And I love, it's like a caricature of the eighties. exactly. Which is how I think. If one of our kids time machine back to the eighties, I feel like that's how it would look through their eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that I, when that happened, when we were brought there, I was like, oh, you know what, I dig this because it's it's like a teen wolf on steroids on purpose kind of thing. Yeah, it's
1: like ridiculous because yeah. like there was no one smoking cigarettes. There would be cigarette smoke everywhere, <laughs> just be <laughs> everywhere. <laughs>
0: um, the
1: uh, I love like. So now she is now thrown into her mom's friend group, and her mom's like a total raging bitch, right? Such like, an asshole, yeah, real bully asshole, mean girl. Yep. Uh, but her and her friends call themselves the Mollies. They like oh, of they Molly dress Ringwald, up like they yeah. all are always dressed like a different version of Molly Ringwald from one of her movies, which is fucking hilarious. And the one uh, she
0: gravitates toward is what her it's her best friend in real life's mom. Her right? mom, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Um and the way that like the future gets changed based on her decisions is great.
0: Yeah. It's like butterfly effect ish yes. a little bit. Yeah.
1: And there's so many references to John Hughes movies throughout this and different, like they were saying that her jacket, uh, that like the white, uh, fringy jacket yeah, that she yep. has was like what Sloan wore. Very similar to what Sloan wore in uh, Ferris Bueller's
0: Day Off. Yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It, it is. So there's
1: all that type of shit going on, which is great. Like, if you loved 80s movies, you'll get a lot of that. And if you didn't, it doesn't matter, you know? The kills are good. They're a little gorier than I was expecting.
0: They're really, they're fun.
1: They really are. Uh, and there's just so many, like, I love the characters in this. The, the podcast dude, and then, like, seeing everyone, because you kind of see everyone up front. And then you go back and you see everyone in the 80s. And I love seeing that, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, the characterization and what they kind of grew up to be, I love. There's a couple things I didn't like about this one. I hate how they try to, like, they really try to clean up the 80s. And they have, like, <laughs> Jamie, who's the main character, great name. She is, like, every time there's, like, something 80s, like, a, the 80s were offensive, right? Like, when you go back, they just were. Dude. Like, that's just how it was. And every time there's something, she's calling it out. And it's like trying to clean it up constantly. And it's like, we don't need you constantly calling this out. We get it. Yeah. You know, like Fat, uh, they, they call the one girl Fat, whatever her name is, the whole time. And she's just like, that is so offensive. Like everything, she's calling it out. And it's like, we get it. You don't need to do this the whole fucking movie. Uh, that's probably the only like qualm I really have about it. Did you like the mask? Dude, love the mask. So the Sweet 16 killer is essentially Max Hedrum. That's essentially yeah, what yeah, the mask is. And I love it, dude. It's I have a like- different opinion on
0: the mask. I like it, but I thought all right, you and I both love the movie Point Break. Yeah. Yes. And in Point Break, for those that don't know, you've got bank robbers that wear these really basically the fucking mask that Mike uh is supposedly has on in Halloween five. <laughs> don't they wear the president? But it's but it's president. Yeah. And this, uh, you're bringing me full circle here. Sorry, bud. If Joe Biden had a mask in Point Break, I think it would be this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I had also heard that it was kind of supposed to be like, um, like a pretty boy coming to get you. Like the last thing you see is like the yeah. beautiful teeth and the yeah, within the sweet like sixteen killer thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I love that moniker, and I'm 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 all in on on the presence of the killer, and even like the reveal at the end. It's fun, like. It it's fun. Fits, yeah. The whole, and I love how the here. way
1: the time machine to get out at the end is the gravitron, which is that mysterious ride that everyone always Dude. saw at the carnivals, and you're like, I'm not getting on that fucking thing. Never. What's even in there? That I like. I'm is sorry. that how they did? They have a
0: booth inside where there was like a D- DJ. <laughs> <Yeah>, Someone standing <laughs> this in the middle could not be like, like a platform. I'm in basically for like I'll I'll if we're on vacation and someone's like you want to go dot 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 I'm like yeah. Like I, I'm in. I'll go. I'll do it. Yeah, that fucking ride right there, though. No, I'm like, no, I'm out on that. I'm gonna throw up a corn dog. I on will your throw lips. up everything on yeah. that. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that would actually make me sick.
1: Yeah. So I love the end on this one. This one really makes me feel good. Like at the end. Oh, dude. It you just feel fucking great, like and then, you're smiling.
0: Like, right? Doesn't she find this isn't like a big plot point? But doesn't she find? after the resolve, like her name, her name's actually different or something or.
1: Yeah, it is kind of a little spoiler. You, you don't imagine wanna, being how pissed yeah. you'd be. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you'd be so mad. Uh, but I love like the notebook. And then once yeah, the credits yeah. scene, you get to read through how everyone changed. And it's just, I love shit like that. It's like, it's pandering, but I love it. Um, I was going to put Eat, the blackening uh, on my them. list. Okay. Oh, so I thought that was going to be your number one. Right. So that was, no, that was, I scream took its place. Ah, gotcha. And you know why? I rewatched it, and I didn't have as much fun with it as I did this one. I mean, it's still a great
0: movie, but yeah, yeah. I get
1: Good movie, funny. I found this one to be a more rewatchable film. Um, and I think it's because of the 80s. The probably. content's
0: super relatable for you on this one. For sure. You the, particularly. The music,
1: yeah. so good. All throughout, I'm just like, I, found my, I was watching a table while working, and I found myself like <laughs> humming along and shit. It was, it was a good time. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Totally Killer, Totally fucking recommend it, especially if you grew up in the 80s or early 90s. I think you'll relate to this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And this is streaming on, I believe it's Amazon. It's definitely somewhere for free. Yeah, it's an Amazon original.
0: Very good. All right, man, I'm going to head to my number two. And my number two is, this was the one that kind of squeaked on my list in The Purgatory of not of of having many peers of its same quality. Okay. But I thought there were unique elements to this movie that kind of uh, pushed it into a new sphere for me. But I'm going with the 2023 film No One Will Save You. So yeah, this was directed by Brian Duffield, who primarily primarily has worked as a writer. Uh, I think this is actually only the second film that he's made. And uh, starring Caitlin Dever. And it's about this anxiety ridden indoor person who's just a total homebody. And she's kind of going through this battle with this alien who's found its way into her home. And it's It is, like, that sounds ridiculous, and that is legitimately, like, if you read to me the synopsis to Totally Killer, like, if I wrote a synopsis to Totally Killer and you did, they wouldn't be the same. If you and I both wrote a synopsis to this movie, they would both read this exact sentence, because that's legitimately what this movie is. It plays like a short story, it feels like one, and it's missing one of the most obvious elements of storytelling, which is dialogue so that's not a factor in this movie you've got this really fucking great sound design of all this stuff you're following this person throughout their life and she's interacting with other humans and she's clearly ostracized from her community you can make assumptions about what it is that got her to that point you know you start to learn more toward the end of the the movie but you you spend your the first third or half of this movie wondering what the fuck and why and like why is she this way was it an event that uh pushed her into this reclusive kind of lifestyle but she's got this really quiet alone sort of life wake up do my routine actually looks really kind of nice i was gonna say it actually seems kind of pleasant fucking yeah in on that i'm gonna say (laughs) other than the fact that the whole community hates her yes yeah uh But her life and the way she's living it is so it feels comfortable and you're disarmed because you start this fucking alien movie and you're like, oh, you've got this like really cordial, nice, happy looking central character in this really comfortable sort of rural community sort of thing. And she wakes up, gets her day going, goes to run her errands, and then she sees a little crop circle. Sort of thing. There's just like a circle burned in her grass. She like runs to water it while she's got to get to the fucking post office or whatever it is that she's doing. So you're like, oh hey, that's kind of weird. And I went through this movie thinking, oh, uh, we're this is gonna be one of those things where we don't see anything. They're not gonna to show too much. But as you get deeper and deeper, like they fucking show everything to the point where you've got this like, you got like a little green man running around basically, and it's almost a evil dead esque kind of like fight for survival. And it gets like really fucking gritty. And there are serious moments of tension and suspense where she's like battling this alien being. And again, I think this is an allegory, a parallel for managing external threat propelled by something either emotional or event based. And you're following the central character around trying to figure out sort of what's going on. And it's truly a fight for survival. And uh, as you're watching it, you're like, oh, is she trying to survive in her own mind? Essentially, is this really happening or is this her managing a traumatic experience? Like, what is the, what propels this? So I thought it was a unique way to deliver a story. I thought it was a unique well, way to tell a story. Some of the visual, like, alien, like, a little hokey. I think it's kind of supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's supposed to be overly serious. But um, I thought the vibe on this one was, was really interesting and, and unique and pretty original.
1: Yeah, I felt like she crushed it, though, as an actress. Um, so fucking no good, With no acting dude. or with no speaking. You know, it's, she really crushed it. Uh, you feel for her. Uh, I, I, I was a little bit out on this one, I think, because of, like you said, the length. I think I just got to a point where I was like, all right, you know.
0: I did, uh, I did get to a point where I was like... I think actually one of my kids came down. And I was like, oh, I should be done in like five minutes. And I paused. I was like, wait a minute. There's 40 minutes left of yeah. this movie. I have no fucking idea how that's going to be the case. So they filled in. It does drag a little bit. So they do. I, I kind of like the way that they reveal
1: the story and her backstory. Yeah. Uh, the way that that's
0: revealed is nice. Uh, but sure. I, I thought it was really, really unique. And it's a very interesting wa- watch. Whether or not you love the story. Uh, I think that there's a lot here to appreciate just as a cinephile. So I would recommend checking it out.
1: Yeah, it's worth a watch. This was a straight to Hulu. So if you have Hulu, check it out.
0: All right, man, to your number two.
1: All right, so this, speaking of heavy, this is probably the most, actually the most fucked up movie on my list, uh, maybe of the year. This is When Evil Lurks. Uh, So this is an Argentinian film. It's done by uh, Damian Rugna. Uh, He also did Terrified, if you've seen that, from 2017, which is fucking terrifying. Uh, This is really good, really effective, really disturbing. Uh, So in a remote village, two brothers find a demon-infected man just about to give birth to evil itself. Uh, They decide to get rid of the body, only to end up unintentionally spreading chaos. So I'm sure that this is based on some lore, Argentinian lore, maybe. Um, There's probably some sort of, yeah, fact-based stuff going on there that I don't know of. But there is a man who is, they call him the rotten. or They say that he has the rotten, so he's in this house. He looks like something from Resident Evil. Uh, My wife actually just was like, I can't look at this fucking guy anymore. This is so disgusting. He does He look is like so a disgusting. loaded He's oozing shit. He's just like he's got shit growing off of him. And uh, yeah, it's like you got to shoot like his head, but there's like shit growing off of it, right? So these two brothers. Uh, this is all I watched it with subtitles. Uh, you have the two brothers who are now essentially the landowner talks them into dragging this body out. Even though the woman who lives there, like, the, the wife and the son keep saying, like, no, you can't, you cannot move this body, like, you can't just throw him somewhere and dispose of it. That's not how this evil works. You have to have a, they call it a cleaner, a certain person to come and dispose of the body in a certain way, like, with religious rites and shit. You can't just kill it, because the, the evil will then pass on, and that's, man, there are some really effective scenes in here. There's one with a goat. Uh there's always like a goat, right? With Ugh, these. Dude. There let me just say twenty twenty three was the year of possession films. Yeah. Just like go look at the horror films that were released in 2020, 2023. There's like ten fucking possession films between Evil Dead, uh, Exorcist, and then just a a slew of other fucking the Pope's Exorcist, uh Talk to me. It, yeah. Uh but like straight demonic possession films, yeah. you know, like uh Prey The evil, whatever the fuck. Just
0: so fucking many. I think you're thinking of *E. Pray, Love. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
1: But this is by far the best. And to me, the only one that should be watched in 2023, if you're going to watch a possession film. It is so effective. Uh, And again, all of the, like, the lore that is built in, whether it's real or not, uh, that everyone kind of knows in this small village. This is a very remote village and the people that know about the rotten and the possession that comes with it, they are very staunch in their stance, like you, what you can and can't do, and I just feel like nobody is listening. These brothers, and in, in particular the one brother with the kid, he's got a special needs kid who is like an older kid, probably 15, but he's very mentally disabled. He needs full-time care, uh, and he's just like not listening to these women uh, that are telling him like, you can't do this, you can't do that, and he just fucking does it. And it's like, this shit keeps happening because you won't fucking listen. You know, it's one of those where you're watching and you're like, just fuck. Yeah. Uh, but, man, yeah. dude, and this is very heavy on, it does not care what it does. Like, it will kill kids. This, dude, this movie it, it
0: goes hard.
1: There's that dog attack scene that is just yeah. like, holy shit. This is the gory that?
0: movie that you're referring to, by the way, for those we were wondering.
1: Well, There's another one too, uh, number one on my list. Uh, but the scene where the woman has the axe and she's just like hitting her head in into the axe, the the way that they do shit in this is super fucking effective. Uh, and there was a quote that I wanted to with the kids. One of the women says, uh, "Oh my god," she says, "Evil loves children and children love evil." Yeah. And there at the end, like at the school with Mm. the kids, Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, And the director said he got the idea for this movie from a series of like news reports that were coming out about farm pesticides in Argentina uh, causing a lot of health issues. Any kind of.
0: Yeah, I think that theme is very. Prominent in this in a a bunch of different forms, because I I was reading the same article um, with that. The director had made that quote about the pesticides and yeah i think his comment was something to the effect of like we do these things and the commodity behind it drives decisions not the human element right so hey if we can populate more crops but the cost is disease and all these other you know outputs and we're consciously doing these things at the expense of of who the people with money feel are disposable i I think that concept of the like the forgotten you know or the ignored or the underrepresented or the sect of people that don't have advocacy on their behalf and fall victim to um the commercial fucking engine of the world that's there to churn out money, and it's like, yeah, you're fucking collateral damage. So I feel like that is a prominent factor in a lot of what shapes the story and the culture of this movie. The general like aesthetic, like the brand of, the, if you look at the cover, this movie is exactly what the cover looks like. Exactly, yeah, it is. It's fucking, it's red. Yep, it's bloody as fuck, and it's gruesome, and it's mean. And to your point, it does not give a shit. And I think that that is what the director is trying to encapsulate, which is this is a story about people that no one gave a shit about. So,
1: exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's those people trying to band together to get rid of this evil that they just can't. Oof. But, yeah, uh, this is when Evil Lurks, and this is streaming on AMC+. If you feel like uh, going to bed really sad... Watch Talk to Me, and then this.
0: Oh. Don't. uh, And
1: uh, you won't be talking to
0: anyone. Hopefully you don't have work the next day (laughs) because you won't be very productive.
1: But yeah, this is, uh, if you love horror, I mean, you can't miss this one. This is a must-watch, must-see, and uh, it's one that people will be talking about for a while. And uh, again, if you're into the Possession films, if you loved those other movies, I'm, I'm glad. I really am. They weren't really my bag. Like, how did you feel about Evil Dead? It was okay. We saw it in the theater. It was fine.
0: Uh, yeah, I thought it was fun.
1: I rewatched it on TV, and I was like, ugh, I'm just not into this. It, in the theater, it was, you know,
0: you get that again, theater magic. I, but- I think I talked about this on a prior episode, like a smug asshole that's like, please don't grow as an artist and stay in the form I want you to be in that yeah. I love most. Yeah. And I think my comment was like, oh, they took me out of the cabin and they brought me to an apartment complex, yeah, and yeah. now I'm pissed. That really disrupted the evil deadness for me.
1: Well, they started in a cabin, John. Yeah. That lake. Thanks for
0: being on the dock for the first nine (laughs) seconds of the movie. Yeah. Uh, So I don't, know. I thought that it was fine. You know, evil dead. Yeah. Rise. I thought this movie was good. Yeah. I thought this movie was really sad and dark though. This is not like, I won't ever watch this movie again. No,
1: no, no, I can't. It's, it's very much like, uh, it's, it's, I said Talk to Me was depressing. This is way more depressing than Talk to Me.
0: Yeah, this is a a tale of hopelessness. This is hopelessness. really heavy,
1: and if you if you want to go watch a movie where people triumph, this is absolutely not the one.
0: I would watch Winnie the Pooh. You Blastery could watch Day. this
1: and then totally kill her afterwards and maybe you feel good.
0: Yeah. You'd feel normal. At a couple laps. Yeah, you get yeah. a real low and a real high. A little <laughs> offset, Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: All right, man. Number
0: one for you. No, number one for me. So. 2023, number one. 2023, wow. number one for me. I got to go cobweb. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's okay. It was
1: just a bad dream. it
0: again no more nightmares tonight okay champ yeah so this was directed by samuel bowden starring lizzie kaplan anthony Starr, cleopatra coleman and this is a story about an eight-year-old boy who's trying to investigate this mysterious knocking uh, sound that's coming from inside the walls of his house and Come to find he's got these parents that aren't great people that are really mysterious and strange and just generally odd. And they have a secret that they've kept hidden from him. And basically, you're on this journey of trying to determine what is making these sounds, trying to determine what the parents are trying to hide, trying to determine like this is a, a pretty dense movie. I thought it was going to be straight to the point, jump scare, easy peasy, boogeyman esque. I watched this movie the same day I watched the boogeyman. Me
1: too. This is what I was alluding to earlier. I watched Cobweb first and then Boogeyman.
0: I watched Boogeyman and then Cobweb, and I'm glad I went in that order. um, Quite, quite honestly, I really enjoyed both movies. I enjoyed this one more, and the reasons I enjoyed this one more: a Holy fucking Halloween,
1: dude! That's what sets this one apart. Honestly, the Halloween vibe, heavy.
0: And I like. Thought it was going to be more fun though. This is not a fun no, movie. It's yeah. not fun. Um, the school environment. I'm always into like get a school in there, and I'm like, I like it ten percent more already. Yeah. And if you use the school right, I'm at twenty five percent more. This one was kind of like the Ring esque, where it's. It did feel like the Ring. He's in school. Got some social anxieties linked to what's going on in his personal life, and drawing then he's got fucked his up pictures, life, drawing these yeah. fucked up pictures, and then you have this interesting dynamic though of this teacher who is a very prominent figure and character. And I thought it was so like the device used, which is almost unnecessary. And then i I thought about it days after, but this teacher is a substitute, and the fact that there's this not there's a what should be a prominent presence in a child's life is a, a teacher that you see every day who's in charge of your education but even that for him is temporary because you have this threat of her being more disposable because she's not a full-time teacher and she's embarking on trying to solve something where it's like are you sure you want to go down this road and she's getting heat and pressure and that that subtle little dynamic right there Is so thoughtful, in my opinion, after reflecting on this after the fact, that I I was like, you know what? There was a lot of purpose behind this movie. Absolutely not fucking perfect. But I really enjoy the dynamics. It feels like people under the stairs mixed with the ring, mixed with um, the black phone a little bit, Mm. too. Uh, Just visually, at least, and thematically, it kind of had some of those elements. Yeah, the communication with the... yeah. Yeah, but I I, I wanna focus so I thought the kid crushed it. I thought the the teacher presence was was really important and a great driver for the story. But fuck Lizzie Kaplan, dude, I had no idea. I went into this movie totally blind. I'd heard about it, I'd read up a little bit, but I was like, you know what? I'm tr- I tried to avoid. I didn't watch any trailers. Yeah. And I was like, I just I gotta see this movie. And I didn't think Lizzie Kaplan would be even willing to take a role like that. And she crushed it like fucking crushed. creepy ass mom in this movie. Super creepy. And the husband, where the fuck did that guy come from under a, uh, he came out of the ship Mm. from no one will save you or whatever the fuck we were talking about. (laughs) That dude weird as hell in this movie. So unsettling. And it's, it's almost a more sinister depiction of like the parents and people on the stairs, you know, And you know they're hiding something. Everyone does. Got this fucking pumpkin patch in your backyard, which is, like, weird, obviously. But also, how do I make my backyard look like that? Yeah. It's fucking great. And uh, there's just a lot to unravel in this. And I thought the story delivery was pretty pretty unique. And the way it ends, haunting as all fuck. We won't talk about it, but Really,
1: like, what did I just watch? (laughs) The
0: <laughs> and then you hear that explanation the The reveal in this movie by the way is basically like the reveal in Malignant to me
1: yeah there's another movie I'm thinking of Malignant is good there's another one and I can't think of what it is but yeah the one of my favorite uh, scenes of this movie is when the bullies come oh, and they're yeah. wearing those masks Oh, which is like when you see the trailer and you see that with no context it's like oh my god so scary and then like but still, like them roaming through the house with those masks on and
0: oof. I do love that scene. But even dude, even that like this this movie confronts so many different elements again, different elements of horror. All the stuff that he's clearly dealing with and managing. Yes. And like just pushing that kid down the stairs. As a parent, could just no imagine I your know, child coming home being like, Oh, they're suspended because they fucking <sighs> they they basically broke someone's neck. And uh this is not by any means a fun movie. it's not, but I would watch this one again, whereas some of the other ones that are just too dark, too dense, yeah. too heavy. This is under that uh, by a, a peg. It's not prohibitively upsetting, but it's it's I thought this was a really well done movie. I yeah, enjoyed it.:
1: It's good. like to your point, it was well acted. Um, Lizzie Kaplan. Is borderline over the top, but I think that's kind of how it was written. Yeah, I. But when I was watching, I was like, "She's fucking unhinged in this. She <laughs> looks fucking she totally unhinged, unhinged in this." <laughs> yeah, and I, I couldn't really understand what she was going for because it's like when you, when you find out the backstory, it's like I don't really know. But I'll have to watch this again. I think I only did that one watch. I, I will say that. She plays it's, a good it's unhinged impossible to character talk about though. this element yeah.
0: without uh, ruining the reveal, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Cobweb is definitely I wouldn't say the movie of the year for me, but this is probably one of the ones I like most. I was going to ask, is list. this actually your number one? Probably not. Of the but five I just talked about, I'd say yeah. probably yeah. I would say my number one is probably the one that you're going to end with. Yes. So
1: let's head there. All right. So my number one, the best holiday, where you get to eat turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. This is Thanksgiving!
0: I've got plenty to be thankful for My needs are small I buy them all At the 5 and 10 cent store Oh, I've got plenty to be thankful for I
1: used to love this town. Until what happened that night. Eli Roth's uh, greatest ach- greatest achievement, <laughs> probably in my mind. Uh, I love this fucking movie. Uh, I have not seen it again since we saw it in the theater, so my opinion could change after a rewatch, but fucking loved it. Uh, walked out of there just all smiles and... Fucking love this movie. We saw it with uh, our best friend, Eliza, and her significant other.
0: Uh, so we had, a, we had a blast. Yeah, man. I, this was a total surprise, I think. A, because when 2023 started, we didn't know this was going to even be a movie.
1: No, so this was based on the, the grindhouse. They had all these shorts, and this was one of the shorts from that film. It's like a uh, like trailer. A commercial trailer, yeah. yeah. Um, and it uses the same font essentially the same killer uh the mask right the mm-hmm. John Carver mask so it, they made a full length feature based off that fucking little trailer and it fucking killed it it crushed it it had a lot of the kills that were in that they changed like the tra- the trampoline one uh they changed that one up just a just slightly which they kind of had to to make it not rated x probably dude
0: so. i i just was so pleasantly surprised by how hard he leaned into the who done it? How hard, like his did, influences? He really leaned into yeah. his influences on this one.
1: The Halloween POV cam there, or the killer POV. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at the beginning, how he's walking up to the house. You have that fun family T- the Texas Chainsaw
0: esque with the sitting around the dinner table concept toward the end of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which you can tell. Happy birthday was to me! Like a, I had mentioned, yeah. a
1: little bit of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. So this is the yeah. one I was talking about where the gore is over the top and it's purposeful. This was supposed to be, uh, you know, feel like his influences from the late 70s, the 80s, the,
0: just that, that gore. I think even the 90s. The he leaned kills. into some fucking yeah. scream pretty hard, I think. Yeah, he did, yeah. There are multiple shots where I was like, man, that is, that's a nod to scream, you know? Yeah.
1: Patrick Dempsey in there, that's a little nod to, it, apparently he really wanted to be in this. Um, he fucking I guess everyone... he had reached out his agent reached out and was like I think Eli was like I, we won't be able to afford him and they were like no no he really wants to be in this like you'll be alright Gina Gershon and I you get a lot of like it almost feels like Krampus in the store there the Black Friday
0: uh, I, when, when, when I was rewatching in. Krampus right before Christmas I you know we saw this after Thanksgiving but yeah. we saw it before Christmas came right and so I had watched Krampus shortly thereafter going to see this at the theater. And I was like, oh, my God, the similarities between the the intro with the Black Friday-ness and whatnot. Yeah. But I I love how that establishes. Like, that's that's the momentous pattern interrupt in the sphere of what this community is that create like everything is tied to that night. <laughs> the, exactly. Yeah. the 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 Black Friday night. Right. And um, I thought it was so cool how uh Eli did all those nods as we mentioned, and I I've been pretty vocal about basically having writ written Eli Roth off as a director that I want to get content from, which is like I I know it's a fucked up thing to say, but I was a big fan of Cabin Fever. And then once the hostel thing started to happen, and the, the different elements of uh, torture, horror, and 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 traveling overseas and getting kidnapped, and I was like, "That's just not my hostel." Yeah, it's not my bag. It's not my thing. And uh, he also did what the green fucking yeah, green inferno. Green inferno. That not my movie again. I'm not shitting on it as a movie, but it's just not for me.
1: That was like his like cannibal holocaust. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is. Eli Roth can do whatever he wants. He's super fucking smart. And I'm just so glad that he, he dumbed things down to give the people what they wanted, which was like, please play that really famous song that you wrote 50 years ago. And he's like, all right, goddamn, I'll do it. And then he just crushed the absolute shit out of it. And we were all cheering our faces off.
1: Yeah, dude. Again, the kills are so good. Yeah. The gore that he uses is over the top in the best way. And I found this little, uh, this little, tidbit on IMDB, which I thought was really funny. Uh Eli Ross said that the cat in the movie was such a good actor that he called him Leonardo De Catprio. There we go. And uh the name of the cat was Tonic and that same cat was in the Pet Cemetery remake.
0: Oh my God. So this is like Queenie from The Burbs. Yeah. Yeah. Who was also in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Which is a ridiculous fucking It is ridiculous. Yeah. Dude. Great list. 2023. Thanks for your service. 2024. We got, we got some bright lights. So if you're interested in what we're most excited about for 2024, head over to Patreon. Uh, I think our $10 tier bonus episode for December was focused on that. So yeah. Uh, head over and check that out. But you want to hit on a couple disappointments before we wrap up here? Yeah.
1: Speaking of Pet Cemetery, I thought Bloodlines was a letdown.
0: Yeah. I thought even
1: I, even though David Coveney was in there, like I was excited. Yeah,
0: yeah. again, I, that movie I thought was fine, and and using the property of like pe- Pet Cemetery Bloodline. Okay, let me frame it this way: mm-hmm. If you have Pet Cemetery Bloodlines and Hell House LLC Origins, that's on my list too. Duds. Well, it, I I was much more. I had way less expectation from Hell House LLC Origins than I did from Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, and I would say Bloodlines stepped down, Origins stepped up. For origins where is they are. way better yeah. than yeah, yeah,
1: the Bloodlines. Yeah, you you got me there. Um, knock at the cabin. Yeah, yeah,
0: fine. Hmm.
1: How about you? I, I Black Demon. I don't know if you saw Black Demon. Fucking terrible.
0: That's the shark one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw it. Oh, I saw it. Did you see Insidious, Red Door? I never watched it. Uh, I saw a lot of it until I saw my eyelids because I <laughs> fell asleep watching it. <laughs> and I, I don't think it was the movie. I think it was just the wrong time to watch the movie. But
1: I don't know. I've, I have not seen or heard one good thing like from people that I trust. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I did not see Saw
0: X yet. Did you see There's Something Wrong with the Children?
1: Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I did see that, but I did not see it this year. That came out previous. Oh. Yeah. I don't know really what happened with that one. It must have been a distribution thing, but I had seen it streaming like probably last
0: year. Yeah. It was, um, it was fine. Yeah. It was, it was good. That's got the
1: dude from like, uh, Midnight Mass, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's one I won't return to. I'm not going to go back to that movie. Yeah. It was fine. Bo was Afraid.
1: The more I think about Bo is Afraid, the more I like it. Okay. Not that I like... No, I'm not going to buy it on Blu-ray no, or anything. No, you should go watch but it. But as an experience, I think I liked it more than as a movie, if that makes any sense. Because that was a fucking experience. That was a, ju- that was a dude, journey, I dude. Felt
0: it, I felt like I worked out, though, when I yeah. was done watching it.
1: But I'd rather watch that than maybe <laughs> some movies on this list. I guess, yeah. Uh, Exorcist was a letdown for me. Let's yeah, just
0: say it. And the Pope's Exorcist, I thought, was like... I like Pope's Exorcist better than Exorc- Exorcist Believer. But I don't think the Pope's Exorcist was needed. No. Fuck no, it wasn't means. needed. None of these movies are needed anymore.
1: Who needs a devil possession movie in 2023?
0: Well, if you're going to do it right... You do it like when evil lurks. I mean, we also watched Consecration, remember that? That was like a... <sighs> holy fuck, that's heavy. Dude. I don't
1: even know what to say about that movie. Run, Rabbit, Run was, I think, my <laughs> review on that was like, if I never watch that again, it'll be too soon.
0: I don't, I don't believe I saw that one.
1: And then we have a ghost, which I was, like, really excited about. Uh, w- was also a letdown. Wait, was that the comedic one? Yeah, Christopher Landon. It's like, I hate to even talk shit on. like, David Harbour was the
0: ghost. Oh, I didn't. That should have been sorry, great. sorry, I didn't see that one.
1: Oh my God, I watched this movie that was on a lot of people's list as the best of the year called Birth Rebirth. No, no, no. Oof, dude, no. Not my movie. <laughs> no. I am so out on that movie. Like when it ended, I just kind of sat there. Oh, like, I didn't even what? get to the end.
0: I as it was going on i was like i have too many movies to watch from 2023 this just is not going to be one that gets my time the per-
1: it's one of those though where the performances are really good like the two lead actresses killed it it just was yeah. not my type of movie yeah
0: no totally yeah that's that was definitely a me problem not the movie exactly yeah. Yep, 100 percent there's Same people was afraid
1: there's people that i know on our discord that would probably
0: love that movie just absolutely not my thing yeah well we hope you guys dug this list more great content to come. We are celebrating our, what is this, year number five for us? Yeah, dude. So our fifth birthday is in, on the 17th, right? Next yeah, so one, we, were,
1: we started, what, February 2020?
0: A month before COVID? Something like that. I think it was January 17th. There we go, January 2020. Yeah. yeah.
1: Two months before COVID. So, yeah, uh, we appreciate all of you have taken this ride with us so far, and uh, stay on it. We're going we're gonna to keep rolling. Yeah, And uh, we're excited about 2024. We have some great guests lined Honestly, up. Honestly,
0: guests that was, it's like, we have no fucking business having the opportunity yeah. to talk to these uh, people, so. Well,
1: always. Anyone we talk to, we uh, love and appreciate you all who communicate with us on Instagram. And uh, we cherish those conversations more than you know. And everyone we have met through this process, it's been amazing. Uh, I, I know this sounds like it's the end, but it's not. It's the end of 2023 and it's a new beginning. And uh,
0: looking forward to it thanks y'all love you guys